Welcome aboard. This is Comparing Apples to Oranges. I'm Mike. And this is Bob. And this is the podcast where we take two things in uh, different genres that belong in the same category and using a set, special set of criteria to determine which one's better. Bob, welcome back. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Uh, to, um, today we only watched four movies instead of six? Six? How many does <laughs> The Last Emperor count for? That minimum two. It's a, it's a man's it's life. Three. Yeah. <laughs> It is an old man's life. Yeah. Um, which kind of is the story of Rambo, too, I guess. Wow. <laughs> he's a very old man. Um, he's the last emperor uh, of his own kingdom. Oh, I wasn't ready for that. Mostly because it's not true, but I'm still not ready for it. PTSD, I guess. Oh, well, now that's real. Uh, <laughs> um, so you uh, did a great job of picking our movies today. Um what inspired you to uh, pick these two movies? So we watched remakes today, and during remakes, um, just to get the semantics out of the way, uh, when we're talking remake, we're talking about a. <laughs> it's using the so a movie comes out, and then uh, years later, another movie uses the same source material as the that the movie is so instead of like reimagining so you if you can take um oh boy i knew i should have looked this up beforehand so i don't know if you're familiar with the three musketeers disney movie and then the three musketeers action adventure movie from like starring oliver platt i think those are the same one so there's there's only (laughs) There's this other one is uh, like right off of the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like wires, kung fu uh, Ooh, hit. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's it's I fantastic. Out. I watched it a lot, but anyway, so like those are that's a remake because or I guess would that be a reimagining? So I knew I was going to try to get this out of the way early, but I'm already confused. So <laughs> hmm. when they talk about uh, like Ocean's when Eleven. They- that's a remake. Yeah, that's that's a, a remake. A remake, and then and see, that's, that's interesting because though you bring um, Three Musketeers, would another Three Musketeers movie be a remake of another Three Musketeers movie, or would it just be a, an adaptation of the original, you know, right? Alexander Dumas story. That's a good point. So, and I think that's what gets us into you know the quagmire real quick. There are the occasional. There's the reboots. And according to some definitions, a reboot just is starting at the same place but going in a different direction. And sometimes even the same direction. Which is, I so I I think we were talking about so we were talking about Spider-Man. I think a Spider-Man is a reboot, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. And then sequels because the sequels don't build off of the previous reboots they only build off of their own origin instead right. of yeah, okay kind of their own little universe or however you want to describe it so okay but so we're, we're talking about remakes and both of these fit comfortably into the remake category where they the originals take place decades beforehand and all of the characters almost all of the major plot points pieces of dialogue and uh, I, 
mm-hmm. are almost identical, which I guess you look for, but like they've been updated. Um, so there's sometimes they do this where it's like, um, hmm, I don't know. This is kind of a tricky one to to talk about just because there's so much there's so much stuff. Um, yeah, and I think we're we're also wading into like overlapping Venn diagrams, you know, categories of movies. Yeah, you know, a remake might also be, a, you know, just just another adaptation, or right? Or a remake, yeah, might kind of spin it off in a different direction. Some might try to keep the same faith to the original text. Okay, so they bring up Brendan Fraser's The Mummy as a reimagining of the you know, the black and white mummy. And so that's insane, right? That you would think (laughs) that those two movies have anything in common besides the title, you know? Right. (laughs) Right. And so I think that's where like, you know, when someone's like, Oh, this is a reboot or this is a remake or this is a, you know, it's, it's sort of, what does that mean? And, uh, the reboot is, I think, more popular today than it's been in the past, because yeah. the the remake is a very common thing, especially in Hollywood. Sometimes they would be like four or five years apart by the same director, you know. <laughs> well, and I feel like you see it especially with comic book stuff for sure now. Yeah, and that I mean, you know, it's first of all because of just how popular those movies are, they make a ton of money. Um, but it's also kind of the nature of comic books themselves. The right. original, you know, medium of the comic book is, you know, kind of the stories get retold and retold. Yes. And so, and like, unfortunately you hear a lot of problems with, it's like IP stuff. So they're like, oh, we needed to, oh, yeah. you know, do this so Sony could keep hold of the X-Men or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> well, that's very interesting. I'm so glad to hear it. <laughs> but then you get the, like, the like super delayed quasi sequel so like um like the James Bond stuff those aren't remakes because they're new stories but they have a different actor in each one but it's the same character like those are kind of in that murky territory but maybe those are sequels you see I there are a number of theories about James Bond and that's a that's a deep rabbit hole we can go down. You know, some people think that he's a time lord. Ah, that, he uh, keeps changing. It's, it's he is British, so yeah, that that works in his favor. Consciousness, yeah, is, you know, in every movie, I tend to think more like um, Sean Connery plays the same Bond, the same guy from movie to movie. So oh, okay. like the events of Goldfinger happen happened before you know from Rush with Love or sure, whatever. Sure, sure, that um, makes sense. But then it kind of reboots and updates with Roger Moore. Right. He's his own Bond, and then those movies are connected. And then I think it's most obvious with Daniel Craig, like, explicitly those movies are connected. I 100% agree, especially with, like, Quantum of Solace picking up almost, like... Immediately after. Yeah, like, shot, like, a scene scene later, yeah. Right. Um, I think the last one I want to bring up is uh, (laughs) Ben-Hur. So I think that would be an example of a remake because even though it's not the 70s anymore, was it a 70s or 60s movie? 
Either way. 60s, I think. Okay. So even though it's made, like, it's 50 years later, um, mm. it's still set in the same time. So I think that's a, a good example of a remake is where, like... Yeah. Like, yeah, so... That's a good example. The, like, yeah, there's a lot of time in between, but it's still... They're still telling the same story. And uh, the last one I want to talk about is The Magnificent Seven. Not the obvious mm. remake of the Seven Samurai, because that is its own, like, whenever you have an international remake, you have sort of, um, like, things are just being, quote-unquote, updated for the right, culture. Things, like, culturally have to change. Yes. Right. Uh, which, story. apparently, The Departed is based on a Hong Kong movie named Infernal Affairs, which I'm just like, that seemed uh, like yeah. such a Boston movie. It was, like, such a perfect... American movie and you're like no bro that's how good it is like that's how good of an adaptation it was and that's, that's the thing is the original story is and how good of an adaptation right it is. and so uh that's you know the, so the seven samurai was the original and then the magnificent mm -hmm. seven was a, yeah, was, a yeah. was a western cowboy remake but mm -hmm. then chris pratt re, they remade it where it's still just set in the West, but now there's like right. a whole, you know, bunch of goofy characters and <laughs> they all have something quirky, you know, yeah, which it's, it's it reminds, yeah, it reminds me of, um, when, uh, Uma Thurman's character in Pulp Fiction is talking about this show that she was in a pilot and they canceled yes. it, where it's just like, it's basically Charlie's Angels where we each have something that makes us interesting. Uh -huh. <laughs> and mine is telling jokes and bombs. I can't remember. What, I just remember the joke part. And like, that's what, like they miss, they were watching that and they misunderstood the point where it's like, that's hacky. Like, that's not how you, yeah, no, you reboot things. Yeah. So I think that that's a, like the story of how, like westerns and samurai movies copy each other all the time is really interesting but mm -hmm. it it's not interesting when you just do the same thing but like oh now it's with hip cool people and they're probably going to say some like silly lingo from the 2000s in there yeah and it's interesting the connection between not only samurai films and western films but also you know, like the fact that the you know so many Western motifs yeah. were made by Italian directors, right. yeah, <laughs> namely Sergio Leone. For sure, that's a good and one. So, you know, you have this Italian guy that is establishing like these almost what are considered like I'll just call them like American mythology. Oh, for sure. Of you know the types of guys on the West, like the loner type guys, and then you know a whole different society with you know japanese directors are seeing these western movies and then they're making samurai movies that are based on western movies and right. then you know western movie directors are making movies based on samurai movies yeah so yeah I mean, it's all kind of telling the same story of this you know loner adventurer you know guy with honor yeah uh, you know in in his specific cultural you know frontier yeah joseph campbell would be proud sort of thing you know oh. he's Oh, and yeah. the, and then they're like, you know, George Lucas watched a lot of samurai movies. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> did, did he? Like, 
not doing his own thing here. Yeah, and that's fine, you know. And that's the thing is like, you you see a lot of the parallels between like anytime there it, there's like a quote unquote frontier, you're going to have effectively a western or samurai movie. Right. Yeah. So and which is good. That's what notions are going to flood into your mind. And I think that's sort of what, like, a remake tries to cash in on sometimes, and then sometimes it's done effectively. Um, And uh, so the two movies we watched definitely knew that they were remakes. Um, 100%. And they knew the audience. And the audience going in knew they were remakes. Mm -hmm. And... uh, you ready to get into them? Let's do it. Okay, so we watched the Criterion Collection uh, film The Blob. Uh, 100%. Which... Nine, every accolade it, it has received. 1958. That's uh, 62 years ago. This nice mo- old movie. This movie came out starring Stephen McQueen. Not Steve McQueen yet. He wasn't mm-hmm. cool enough. This is his breakout <laughs> role at the budding age of how old, Bob? Oh, he, tell me, Mike, how old is he? He's playing a 17-year-old. He's playing a 17-year-old. <laughs> he is 28 years old. <laughs> Looking every bit of 40. That's what I wrote down! I said he looks like a 40-year-old teenager. But the thing is, when he was 40, he looked like a really tough 35. Like, he's... It's true. He has never aged. And it doesn't help that in the... His eyes just never change. Yeah. It doesn't help that in the 50s, everyone looked like they were middle-aged. Like... It's true. Even the, the female lead, she was 20... 23 or 25 and she was supposed to be playing like 16 and you're just like I don't know man like but <laughs> yeah like I can't like watching like old movies like that I feel like I don't know people didn't invent like guys in their 30s until like the 70s yeah and like, then in the 50s you you know you turn 25 and then you become 40 I think guys in their 30s I think the mustache prominence like really helped like solidify the 30s the 30 yeah. age bracket in film um so I think a lot of this the smoking and uh lead yes. gasoline <laughs> and then and smoking lead of gasoline <laughs> for sure <laughs> uh so fun facts about this movie um it this yeah this is his steve steve mcqueen's first feature film debut which is insane um it was a originally a double feature as a B movie, uh, and it came out with "I Married a Monster from Outer Space." <laughs> um, Did they remake that? I don't they didn't really say anything. I couldn't find anything about it. Um, the The title song of this movie that's in the Criterion Collection uh, is a tongue in cheek title song called "The Blob." It was originally written by Burt Bacharach <laughs> and Mac David. I don't know who he is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a, the song was recorded by the studio group The Five Blobs, which is actually just the lead singer Bernie Knee overdubbing himself. Did you get all that? We need more guys with names like that. Bernie Knee. Yeah, and you know he didn't like change his name. That's what he was born as. No. Oh no, no that was before they invented that. Um. So that's just. 
some backstory. This it was an original idea. This was not based on anything. Uh, there's some apocryphal information that they like. It was originally going to be called like the Glob or like all this, all these other dumb names. But they're just like, no, we like we had a pretty good idea of what we were doing. Um, there is yeah, we know what it is. There is a sequel, not that we watched it, called Beware the Blob. Um, I don't think it did as well, but this movie made four million dollars in nineteen fifties money. Yeah, on a budget of one hundred ten thousand dollars, which sounds like a lot of money, and I'm sure it was. But like a lot of money. I mean, there was some special effects on this movie. So did did you do any uh, research on what the the blob was made of? I checked it out a little bit. Uh, not actually uh, into this blob. They said that this one was silicone and red dye. Um, I also uh, want to clear this up. According to the actual, like the production crew, I don't know if it was the director or writer, but the Blob is not a cautionary tale about communism, even though the Blob is red and slowly creeping. Um, they said that that's just not. So I said, okay, that's fine. I feel like it definitely is. I mean, that's a good argument too. <laughs> Um, and then uh, it's the uh, the comparison is just too juicy to make, especially in, like this is right after McCarthyism. Um, yeah, this is peak. Yeah, maybe not peak, but this is like you know we're talking big time upswing of the Cold War. Yeah. Did you see uh, Steve McQueen's wedding ring that he was just wearing <laughs> for most of the movie? <laughs> Because it's a big one. It's like... It's a solid ring. It's a, it looks like he's going to punch somebody in the face with it, and it's going to leave a mark. Um, so the premise of the movie, real quick uh, plot summary. Meteor comes from space, a la Night of the Living Dead. Um, something bad happens because of the meteor. Uh, this blob is inside of it. An old crazy man touches it. Uh, eventually dies. Uh, our heroes interact or like see this man and take him to the uh, to a doctor. The doctor uh, doesn't know what it is, tries to treat it, and everybody ends up dying. Um, our heroes escape time after time, and then eventually figure out that you can freeze it uh, only after being told by every single authority figure that they're dumb and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then uh, they freeze it. Uh, that's how the movie ends. With yep, after, how many people you think die in this movie? Just ballpark it. Uh, the original or the remake? Start with the original. Original. Um, on screen, I mean, it, I feel like it wasn't that many. Although I, I think, uh, what does the cop say? Fifty people. It's okay. been fifty people so far. Okay. Which that's a lot. Yeah, that's believable. Uh, I'll take that. But, but man, the remake, there's there's a body count. Yeah, and we watched the bodies. Okay, let's get into it. So I, w I wouldn't say stack up. I would say more um, melt oh. into a goo. That sounds about right. Um, 30 years later, uh, 1988, Chuck Russell, um, who's well known for Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, which I did not see. Did you see that? No, no, okay. I haven't. Well, all right, that's I know what we're watching next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I've seen a few of those, a few of the, uh, you know, Never an Elfie movies, but I'm not familiar with three. Yeah, I've only seen uh, Freddy vs. Jason, so... <laughs> but this guy, yeah, he had a pretty sweet little uh, start to his career. So he also uh, did The Mask. Yeah, he did. You want Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, a, a Freddy movie, then yeah. to the blob, then The Mask, then Eraser. Right. Which is, a, you know, by no means great, but a solid yeah. Arnold action movie. Is that a 90s one? I feel oh, that yeah. Arnold was it's best in the nineties. '90s. Yeah, mid '80s, late '90s. That's that's his yeah. his decade. For sure. And then he also did the Scorpion King, which yeah. wasn't that great. But I did As watch a it. Huge fan of the Mummy. Yeah. Remake. Yeah. Uh, with Brendan Fraser. Right. Um, yeah, Scorpion King. Eh. Yeah. Not great. Okay, and then uh, so the. Do you want to talk about this blob? Uh, how they made this blob? <laughs> yeah, so they... Um, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, feel, feel free to jump in, but yeah, it's mostly... Um, and I was wondering this while I was watching it, I'm like, how did they do that? Like, this blob looks awesome. incredible. It looks like CGI would want to look like this. Well, I mean, it... it it's so much better than CGI. Exactly. They, feel. they yeah. made the damn thing. Right. They shot it on film. Yeah. Like, and you just can't beat that. The special effects in this movie are so good. I mean, I would, I would put this up into the eighties pantheon of horror remakes with, you know, the thing gets all the credit. Yep. Of course. Uh, for having the great effects. Deservedly. So it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and the fly. Yep. They always Incredible. mention, I always got to talk about Cronenberg when you're talking about messed up visuals. But... Absolutely. Uh, but this, I'd never seen the blob, and I knew it was a blind spot that I had, so that's kind of why I brought it up. Sure. Uh, to watch for this episode, and goddamn, it's incredible. Um, so the blob, they it was basically, uh, I don't know if, if people were in them, but they were puppeteered uh, like a mass of blankets with like a gooey food thickener and, and and I guess like pink food dye in it. Yeah, the the word I found was methicil. I don't know if that's how you say it. Sure. And then they called it a blob quilt. <laughs> so gross. Uh they spent a lot of budget on this and I'm assuming that my it was people like you know, like your you have your Tom Savinis out there and yeah. um there was a movie called The Stuff. Are you familiar with this? It was a, it was a I've heard of The Stuff. It was a yeah. doozy. It was supposed to be like a sort of a um, a parody version of this, but it also just like really leaned into. So instead of like spending time on characters and stories like this movie did, it just like really leaned into like the scene in the car when the woman's face, <laughs> who's being sexually assaulted, her face implodes. <laughs> the you know. woman who's <laughs> being, uh, it was definitely leading to date rape. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, oh, I was I was really disappointed by that guy because you know the scene starts and he goes to make a drink and he pops open the trunk of his car and it is the most incredible bar right. setup in the trunk of his car. Like thirty different bottles of stuff mixers ice shakers a little light <laughs> little lights in it yeah 
just uh, a if yeah turns out he's a date raper and and the thing is like if he was using his mind for things that aren't like illicit like mm-hmm. we might have beaten this blob you know <laughs> like just saved a lot of lives that's true um and so this movie only made 8 million for its budget of 10 million that's yeah it's incredible um i was disappointed in very little in this movie because it spends almost the same amount of screen time as the original so mm-hmm. the the original was a b movie meant for teenagers and apparently it was revolutionary for its time no one had ever made it a horror movie for teenagers uh or like as the protagonist they always had just like scientists or like soldiers doing stuff right which i make you know when you hear it out loud you're like oh that makes sense but because of them we think of a slasher movie as like right in hindsight yeah incredible like every horror movie is made for teenagers nowadays and so what this with the 1988 movie does is like they spend maybe an extra 11 minutes of screen time 11 12 minutes of screen time yeah maybe and they manage to fl- uh, flesh out so much more like they add a subplot the characters all pretty much so stay the same characters. yeah but like and you get payoffs for all of them and yeah. they they leave you with a ridiculous cliffhanger and so like i was mm-hmm. just blown away at like i think bec- and they didn't even worry about like re like explaining stuff they're just like oh this this blob's bad news and they're like oh no who will damn blob and then they die like instead in the 50s like they're they're just going around trying to tell people they get fucking wasted in this movie very creatively it's incredible like uh, the original blob it's cool like you know the blob gets on you and just kind of absorbs you into its mass which are, have you seen It Follows yet? Yeah. I mean, yet. It came out, like, seven years ago. <laughs> but, uh, that movie is scary in the same way that this movie is scary, where it's... it's You cannot stop it, and mm-hmm. it's just going to keep... You know it's coming for you. It's just going to keep coming. Somewhere. And it's not going to stop no matter what gets in its way. And I think that's that was the... It was the creeping blob and the creeping terror, and I thought that was well done, even though it's kind of hard to take this movie seriously. But then, like... As a movie fan in 2020, yeah, it's hard to be scared. Except for the fact... Except for the fact that, like, you know, Steve McQueen and uh, his co-star, like, lock eyes and accept death as he's holding her kid brother. I'm like... Who saw that coming? Like, yeah. holy cow! And they, you know, for movie night fifty eight, uh, towards the very end, when when the girl's kid brother runs out with the cap gun and he's yep. shooting at the blob. Yep. You know, I kind of tense myself. I'm like, are they gonna kill a kid in this movie? Right. Oh my god! <laughs> now, now they don't. Right. <laughs> but they do. Oh yeah. In the eighty eight version, they kill every kid they can. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, like, the blob in the 58 one, you know, it just kind of absorbs people, and, you know, it's scary, whatever. Yeah. The blob in the 88 one dissolves people it's... like an acid, and it, 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 like, your body, like, melts away. Do you remember when 
28 Days Later came out and people were like, oh, whatever, it's just zombies that run fast. And it's like, yeah, but, like, it's it's unrelenting yeah. in a different way. <laughs> right. Like, you can't write a story where it's like, okay, we're going to board up the house. You're like, no, this guy's, like, punching in all of the wood we keep putting up. They're not just... Uh, no, they're just jumping on top of the roof. It's like, oh, we're safe now, you know, because the movie theater... It's like, oh, no, it's the entire ceiling. And then it, like... I really yeah. liked uh, the the drain murder of that one guy, because you knew he, like, oh, the, the sink's backing up, you know, it's going to be the blob. And then you see his... He, oh, he gets... Yeah folded like an envelope and then oh my god I did the way that he died was so funny his foot goes down the drain and you're like that's stupid that like splashes out and like gets on him right no it sucks him down a drain pipe and you're like how can they do that but like within the the you know the logic of the thing he's being liquefied so I'm like okay that makes sense sure I guess I'll fit anywhere and then also like the uh when the waitress is inside the um, telephone booth and the guy like the sheriff swims up that was very cool I did not expect I didn't expect that to be able to happen like yeah I thought it would be more liquefied not to mention like uh, into just more blob they they had a meat cute I thought they were gonna survive they're like nope everyone's gonna die (laughs) there is a real like um almost like a cruelty yeah. in this movie. Like, it is relentless who they will kill in the uh, the 88 version. Yeah. It's really incredible. Especially because, like, the Steve McQueen character dies within 27 minutes? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, the, the nice guy. Yeah. The nice guy. And the, I think that's the... That's, like, the the... I don't know if that's the cover, but they use that shot a lot where it's like he's reaching yeah. out, but his face is all pink. Oh, blob, yeah. yeah, that was incredible. Uh, uh, yeah, I did not see that coming that fast. Like, you know, I saw Kevin Dillon at, you know, he's he's on top of the, uh, you know, the uh, cast. Yeah. List. So, like, okay, so he's the main character, but he's like this outsider, you know, dressed like a 1958 punk. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like how they started the movie, how they start each movie. Um, uh, Steve McQueen, you know, he challenges these teens to a race, or right. he challenges them or whatever, but it's like, no, we're doing it backwards. And, you yeah. know, like, he wins easily. Right. Because he's so competent and cool. And then they, they open with, uh, um, well, I guess there's the football game where, yeah. you know, our, our heroes do perform well in the football game. Right. But Kevin Dillon while the football game's going on is on his motorcycle in right. the woods and right. he's trying to do a jump over a bridge and he just eats it. Yeah. Which just, is just a doofus. It riding, kind of riding its bike. It kind of just lets you know it's like things aren't gonna go well in this movie. Like uh, we do things a little different. Right. Everyone's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> uh also did you spot our uh, our friend from Cobra in here? And uh, the Sandlot, Art LaFleur, the pharmacist, slash dad. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Pop, pops up. As soon as I was like, oh, shit, that's Babe Ruth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and there was also the original doctor we see, not Meadows, the uh, government guy, but the, the original, like, town doctor. 
is the um, guy from Twin Peaks, the like bumpkin um, husband who likes go fishing. Mm-hmm. I don't know his name, but you're like, oh, that guy. Yeah, I've seen him before. <laughs> right. Yeah. I <laughs> I thought that that was a pretty effective joke where you know that there's the setup with the two kids buying the condoms Perfect. in the store yeah. and the pharmacist, and then the you know, the other kid goes to pick up the daughter and the pharmacist is the dad. I was like, okay, that, that was nice. Yeah. That was, it was, that was nice it was that, that's the thing is like character, character. Yeah. Like we get so much in so little, you mm-hmm. know, because yeah, a really good job of establishing these, these characters. Then, you know, they make you care about them. Yeah. Which is important for a successful horror movie. Right. And, um, speaking of successful, let's move into, uh, the next set of, uh, remakes. We watched the original Get Carter, uh, which are... <laughs> this is an insane thing. They said that okay, in 1999, Get Carter was ranked 16th on the BFI, British Film Institute's top 100 British films of the 20th century. Five yeah. years later, a survey of British film critics in this magazine called Total Film chose it as the greatest British film. Does that wow. strike does that strike you as insane? That strikes me as the greatest British film. Right. Like that's not right. It's good. I mean, it's a good movie. But I would never say it's the greatest. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, that, I mean that that's high praise. Yeah. It's also 2004, so I guess it's like also an extremely British movie. That yeah, there's definitely yeah. <laughs> Cuz like, it hit me like halfway through I was just like this is the most English movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get into it. Um, we get the story of a London gangster, our uh, our Jack Carter's played by Michael Caine. Yeah, take your time uh, explaining the plot because I was straight up lost. Like I didn't Which really is, know what was going on. Through that, this. Yeah, that I think that's in some. It's so intentional, and I really liked some of it because it was so. Oh yeah, I, I loved it. It was like. like strangely subtle for for a gangster movie and like it was based on a a a novel so like you know sometimes the writer does the heavy work and you get to just sort of like you know highlight what you want but like there's so much there's lack of music and dialogue in this movie where it's a lot of it's just sort of like him walking around doing stuff there's a lot of um yeah maybe not not silence but you know, you only like footsteps, or you know the sound of shoes shuffling in, right. in a chase. Yeah, yeah and a lot of stretches with no music. I I liked it um, from one point because like uh, Jack Carter goes back to his hometown because his brother um, died in a uh, drunk driving accident, and he's pretty sure that he like there's foul play involved, and so the story is about him figuring out what happened and because he's in the dark uh instead of them you know throwing the audience a bone or like doing some dramatic irony we don't know anything we don't know who mm-hmm. he's talking to we don't know who these people are All we don't so many names and like no context and then some of the stuff like he goes to the track he goes to this uh card game he is not the center of the shot. And, and like, there's, like, atmospheric uh, 
like audio happening so like people betting horses walking by Mm -hmm. a card game an extra conversation like all of this stuff is happening and we're i'm like you have to pay attention and i thought they did a good job with that but it was like you had to pay attention and um but apparently they did all this on purpose they did a i mean an incredible job of just making it i mean it was it's almost like a crime documentary like it's just so gritty and realistic not just in the way it was shot but i feel like even in because i mean we want to get into like full spoiler territory here like we have the, to the morality of the movie the end of the movie stunned me yes uh when i mean, we'll say it jack yeah. carter you know gets yeah. Uh, revenge on the guy who he, he bludgeons to death uh, yeah. the man who kills, kills his brother and then you know dumps the body successfully and he's just about to ditch the gun and then bam sniper shot out of nowhere through the dome Carter's dead sniper walks away fade to black and I think what made this so interesting is the hit got put out and then you see Carter like send in stuff to the police to get this one guy who in a lot of ways like orchestrated the um his brother's death like um, he gets yeah. he, he gets he him directed it ordered it yeah mm-hmm. and like so, like he's also the reason that his brother like got wrapped up in this stuff too cuz like right. so okay so in this one um his brother is going with this like loose lady and uh the loose lady sells his daughter to this like pornographer and um then like carter's brother found out and was like gonna do something about it and then they like get him drunk and then he like drives into a telephone pole effectively Mm -hmm. and they like force him to get drunk so they like shove it down his throat yeah, they set up the drunk driving. Yeah, and and so what um, Carter does to he bludgeons to death the one guy. He throws another guy off of a roof, and then yes, like this awesome. this one guy who's like he's too well protected. He like sends in these like videos of like child pornography and gets him arrested. And then you so you see that scene before he goes to kill the other guy, and you're just like, oh. Right great carter's cleaning up but like carter gets assassinated by the guy who gets arrested before he gets arrested like so it's one of those things where it's like the 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 machine was already set in motion this this was all it was never going to work out which is so what like you said it's a morality tale but it's actually just like really interesting storytelling too like no matter what he does it's a this is a tragedy like you can't operate in in vengeance and survive and i think that's awesome yeah right yeah you can't I, that's the price of being involved in the criminal underworld yeah organized crime you, no one gets out alive and also like his own no one gets out successfully it, you know you, you either die or go to jail his his own guy uh that he works for in london mm-hmm. like sends people after him to like just like come come home like we need you to get work done here and he like right shoots at them on a boat <laughs> <laughs> well uh, yeah the whole uh, while having sex with his 
you know, wife or girlfriend or whoever. No, he's just telling her what to do on the phone. She does all the rest. And then (laughs) the guy comes in. He's like, what, does your stomach hurt? You're like, yeah, that's why my top is Uh, off and uh I'm rolling around on the bed. (laughs) Got a real bad case of the stomach bug, you idiot. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Britt Eklund, just a gorgeous woman. Just a few weeks before I watched this, um, I watched The Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, okay. Yeah, which came out, I think, uh, 72 or 74 or something, and she's the Bond girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, they said at the time she it's was... one of the better Bond movies, so yeah. I recommend watching The Man with the Golden Gun. Very... Christopher Lee. Oh, what? <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Sauron? <laughs> or Saruman? <laughs> Saruman himself. Yeah. That guy's crazy. He's in a metal band, which I looked mm-hmm. into. It's Might not for dead. not for me. No, that's the most metal thing of all. <laughs> uh, death metal. Uh, too soon? No, he's been dead for yeah, for years. He was pretty old when he died. Um. So, okay. So, are you ready to move on to the remake, or is there more that you want to talk about specifically, just about the seventy-one British crime get Carter? Um. Yeah. So I did want to know. You know, going back to what I was saying about the. Uh, um you know, kind of documentary style of the movie. Yeah. Just how steeped it is in reality. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, totally intentional by the, not just the director, but the cinematographer. Um, and for this movie, they scouted out locations in North England that were known uh, to be either owned or associated with this crime boss in North England who, when he got caught in, I think, the 50s, maybe the late 50s, or maybe even, no, I think it was the 60s, he got, uh, you know, caught in some, you know, money, you know, betting, sure. you know, organized crime stuff. Fixing the, fixing the ponies. Exactly, yeah. Um, and that was, like, the first instance of organized crime in North England in you know, a long time. It's like, like, it kind of exposed the fact that you know, gangsters wasn't, they weren't just a London thing. You know, right. They're, they're up here in, uh, you know, em- the Emerald Hills of North England. So this guy get caught and the director and cinematographer of Get Carter scout these locations, it, you know, so the bars and stuff that they're in, they were, they were gangster bars. Wow. Yeah. And it feels like it in the movie, like the, everywhere in the movie is so grimy and gritty. Yes. It's very, it's very just you know industrial 70s england yeah it, or, it, it looks incredible yeah and like he even makes like he <laughs> he talks about he's like the only reason i'm in this crap hole like he hates his yeah. hometown like he despises yeah. it and that's just so funny were they in were they in liverpool i think it no it was like it's not a place like it's like north some umbrick yeah, sorry, or something yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's he has to take like a two-day train to get there. Yeah, that, and that's what I love. Within five minutes, first five minutes of this movie, you see uh, Carter do four different drugs. Yeah. <laughs> what he, do you think that one was? <laughs> drinking, smoking, and then he. Is that like? There's he something takes, like a spherical like, black pill. And then like droplets. Which I don't know what that's about. Yeah, and then he was like. Yeah, uh, 
he was taking them orally, right? <laughs> like a little drop. Yep. It was mouth. And, you know, I, I think LSD might come vile. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, back uh, then? Orally, back then. Yeah, maybe you can get a liquid. That's pretty funny. I don't know what those drugs are, though. Although, you know, like those, they're probably just like amphetamines. Sure. I think a lot of people are like, Gotta st- like stay, uh, stay icy on the train, you know? <laughs> All right. And uh, I think that's the perfect transition to uh, our 2000 um, Get Carter, which the original was in the genre of British crime. This is action crime drama thriller. And you can really tell they're pushing for action and drama in this. And yes. um, So one of the notes I wrote down was that John C. McKinley's character has more lines in the first 30 minutes of this movie than all of Michael Caine's Get Carter collectively. <laughs> like, the script for him was longer than the script that Michael Caine he, looked at. He is in full-on Dr. Cox mode. He is a motor mouth. He is insane in this movie. And I think that that's, like, one of my biggest issues is, like, everything in this movie is the opposite of subtle. Like, Mickey Rourke's sideburns. <laughs> Mickey Rourke's glasses. <laughs> Mickey um, Rourke. Face. <laughs> <laughs> and I think so this movie intentionally changes uh certain key plot points and character arcs specifically because the lead character um Sylvester Stallone doesn't want to be seen as a bad guy. Like he's supposed to be a sympathetic anti-hero, I think, but then he just <laughs> turns yeah. into the hero. Which is so... Right. Kind of the whole point of the 71 Kid Carter is that he's kind of a piece of shit. That's in the trailer! <laughs> it's like... They're not like, oh, this... Kid this Carter sucks. Yeah. He, like... <laughs> that poor... He's tough. You know, he's a badass, but, like, he's just kind of bad. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, Sylvester Stallone sure. traditionally cannot, like... He, he will not play a... a a character that's bad like that's his right. whole thing and like with this movie like even the the affair falls apart like even the, even the one thing where he's just like he's cheating on his boss's wife or girlfriend yeah. maybe and he's just like I'll take you away from there and she's like nah <laughs> please don't come back I'm like this <laughs> Really kind of took the air out of this balloon. <laughs> so, you know, uh, good for you, Gretchen Maul. You don't need that loser. And she's right. And uh, this movie just takes a really weird turn with, like, there's no, like, mystery. There's sort of just, like, he doesn't know, and then people just tell him all these facts, and then they're like, mm-hmm. oh, it, it, it's his fault. I didn't do it on purpose. And he's like, okay, I'll let you live. I'm like, great revenge. And then <laughs> the other, and, like, there's not a lot of violence but there is some action is there some fights there's a there's a car chase chase. which is totally different than the car chase in the original oh my god yeah and it it just sort of seems like they didn't get the movie no and i mean were there were there even any good foot chases there the just there's the there's a foot chase at the beginning when um he That's chases right. down yeah, the guy, but then even that guy's not like intimidated. 
like, and I just thought he was, like, stealing money from a casino. I didn't know he was, like, stealing it from, like, a gang boss or something. Because he seems pretty calm while he's being beaten. Right. Because he makes fun of, he makes fun of how lame John Carter, not John Carter, that, (laughs) we already did that one. He's on Mars. Yeah. Duh. He makes fun of, like, how lame he is. And, like, he's like, oh, is that your catchphrase? Like, as he's bleeding from the mouth, I'm like, oh, man, I don't think this guy's very scary. <laughs> like, again, Michael Caine, that he would kill you if you said that, and without thinking twice. And he did, it's multiple times. To him. And, yeah, it's still is just, like, kind of a loser. Like, the Michael King character seems like he has such a history. Like, he's he's a known killer. Yeah. And Stallone, he's just a strong guy. Sort of. Because, like, Mick, seem Mickey Rourke tough. beats him up really bad. Kicks his ass. Which, I mean, like, he is the wrestler, so... That's it's true. Why, yeah. Everybody knows. Just, just a warm-up for the wrestler. Oh. I mean, the sideburns fit. Not enough... Well, maybe the drug use from the first movie captured... <laughs> in ah. Mickey Rourke poor guy yeah cause, so I count it he shoots one guy in the back and then he throws one guy off the roof but he lets everybody else live mm-hmm. it's just kind of a weenie revenge I guess yeah especially like the Alan Cummings guy yeah come on you got him out in the woods yeah he's the one who you know set it up and 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 uh uh, was was kind of the original reason why your right. brother died. Just kill him. Also, like, bar, barring this specific situation, he's not a good dude. Like, Jack. He's not gonna change. Yeah, Jack Carter wouldn't care. He just anyway. Okay, so this is I think. Uh, I've I've got so much more to talk about the differences in these two, but I think it's best when we get to the um criteria unless yeah. there's something that you want to talk about uh, no I agree I think um, yeah we're best off moving to the criteria okay um, we're gonna take yeah, a quick break Unfortunately, not a whole lot to say about this movie honestly uh, I've got some more to say but it's I, I, I've got it's gonna fit somewhere so yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay we'll be back in uh, just a minute with our criteria <laughs> We are back, and we've got our four four criteria to, to decide which one of these movie remakes is better. Uh, so we've got rewatchability. We've got uh, Bob decided that a remake is sort of two things if it's done well. It both does a good job of being compelling and true to the original plot, and then you said that it also should subvert that a little yeah, bit like, yeah to take some element of the original story and subvert it either like plot wise or like themes or you know even like a gender swap or something yeah that's a good point and then we've got our timeliness slash how appropriate is it that there is a remake not just like oh ip grab or um you know it's been 25 years so of course we have to do blues brothers 2000 um, you know, like they they thought long and hard, and they said we should do a good movie, and we 
want like this is a good IP and we think that a new generation could appreciate it where mm-hmm. an older generation would still like see it for what it is and enjoy it. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with Get Carter. Okay. Where do you want to... Um, okay, so let's do rewatch. Are you going to rewatch the original or the remake? A question so easy. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's the original. Yeah, of course. Like... I honestly don't think I'll ever watch the 2000 uh, remake of Get Carter. Again. I do have to tell you, while I was watching it, I couldn't remember what was happening. Like... <laughs> I only knew it was happening because of the original. I was actually Not more confused. I'm like, who who are the like who are the surrogates here? Who are the parallels? I'm, I'm <laughs> like, which one of these? I'm like, is the one guy advocating for himself being a pornographer? Because in the other one, like, that was such an important moment is when he found out what was happening. Because he right. effectively, well, first he beats a woman, then he lets her die. <laughs> like, because he is stone cold. Like, that's the thing is he's, he's a murderer and he's out for blood. And we, <laughs> in this one, like... We get, like, silly, uh, like, graphics of, like, spinning dial, or spinning text that tells us, like, that this guy's into pornography, and he's like, and sometimes I get the young girls. I'm like, so we're just doing away with any subtext. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, just tell me explicitly to my, my stupid brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, I feel like the scene where Solomon finds out, you know, sees the, the porn porno video yeah it just there's like no emotional weight to it and it's also like it's played to an unusual degree like later while he's like thinking about killing this guy he like has flashes of his like niece getting raped and you're like this is in some ways more disturbing than all of the like exploitative sex in 1971 originally X-rated you know Michael Caine movie cuz like the yeah. like they draw a very obvious line where it's like well this is like uh you know titillating sex and then this is inappropriate wrong even Michael Caine knows it's wrong and he just got yeah. done having sex with a stranger like <laughs> yeah and so it, it was just like they missed the mark and I didn't want to rewatch it and I know it's it's hard to rewatch stuff that is so of its own time because it's one of the things you do when you make yourself so of your own time is like you date yourself the minute yeah like if they had mentioned like god I can't Limp Biscuit or something like or the you know the Cherry Pop and Daddies it would have been even worse but like all the crappy techno and like the super weird suits, the super weird sunglasses, and like mm-hmm. how. Uh, <laughs> a note I took was, yeah, I said earlier that the the seventy one version was the most English movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I would say that as English as the original is, this movie is the year two thousand. Yeah, perfectly. 
everything in it is so totally of the moment. Yeah. It's just like the, the way the nightclubs look. Yeah, like you said, the weird sunglasses. Alan like the, Cummings the cars. misunderstanding yeah. technology but being the smartest guy in the room. Him wanting to, like... He he's a rich tech guy who has to like buy women from Mickey Rourke because no, but he's too much of a nerd. And then right. like, yeah, he, he has nine hundred million dollars and he can't get women. Give me a break. He's so rich that he has an RC car. I'm like, yep, that's two thousands for you. That's what adult men who have money want. It's true. Uh, remote control. It was pretty big, you know. Like I, I gotta give him that. It's not bad. No one's, no one's arguing that. But um, this movie also flopped wildly. It only made nineteen million dollars worldwide uh, on a budget of nearly sixty-four million. What did they spend that money on? <laughs> they spent it on all those drugs they gave Michael Caine in the past. Oh, shit. Um, okay, so would you rather watch The Blob or its remake? That one, I'll, I'll definitely have to say the remake. Okay. Um, the original, very good. Um, I will definitely rewatch it. I'll put it in. As much as it's a horror movie, I would um, almost more so put it in the category of monster movie. Sure. So if I were going like, a, you know, another Godzilla or, you know, a uh, kaiju movie. Yeah. Uh, streak. They'll probably throw the blob in there. But the 88 version just owns so hard. Uh, that That's that's definitely going into a, like, regular rewatch. Sure. Cycle. So I think we, we're going to give the rewatch category to the blob, but because the remake, we would rather rewatch. So. Yeah. Now that that's easily decided, would you rather rewatch re the original uh, Get Carter or the remake of The Blob? Because those are so drastically different movies. Very different. And and honestly, like as, as high on the list as I would put <clears throat> Get Carter in like you know all time best crime movies. Sure. I would put The Blob up there with maybe not all time best war movies, but like all time best you know, like practical effect, Yeah. you know, like splatter movies. Creativity and execution are so like mm -hmm. hand, hand in glove with this, that it's, it, it really, it's, it's so nice to see that like, so back when, uh, nice to see. the movie baby driver came out, everyone's like, huh? these are actual car stunts being performed by actual cars. And mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, that's, I really like that. Like, that's, yeah. It's it's oh, yeah, that it's looks great. It's pleasurable to see in a way that like Hobbs and Shaw is a good movie, and if you disagree with me, mm -hmm. I'll disagree with you. But <laughs> it's not the same. You don't look at them and see the same thing. That's insane. It's like watching a document. It's like watching an old west movie, you know, shot by like Howard Hawks, and then watching like a Sergio Leone movie. Like they're not the same thing. You can no. you can like both of them, but like right, and, and that's like how I feel with um, you know CGI like blood and gore sure. and you know effects like that. It's like you can like it, yeah, that's fine, you know. And I like certain movies with cool CG, um, but the practical effects though, like it's 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 an art unto its own. And I think uh, this is a good time for me to 
Oh no, I'll save that for my recommendation. Okay, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't know which one. Like, I would like to watch Get Carter because now that I know what happened, I can understand the Michael Caine one a little bit better. Just That's because true. it's so hard, like it's it's so well done that it's so it's it's like kind of like um, it reminded me a little bit of like how the conversation was shot, where it's like yeah, definitely the visual, like you as an audience member have to put in the work if you want to pay attention the first time or, around or like the day of the jackal yes like, that's a really good movie too yeah complicated plot which is you know it pays off at oh, the yeah. end and it pays awesome off movie. for a second watching which you know i appreciate but the blob is like it's like you said it's fun first of all it's like 92 minutes so much fun uh, yes yeah and you don't feel bad at the end because each minute like the director's knew what he was doing he's like okay we're not gonna have a shot that's not being used for something like even the credits Mm -hmm. like are painting the geography of the town everything is set up for something else and the payoff is maybe not like super satisfying but it it's everything is a payoff there is no un right unused um minute in the movie and i think that's really cool and that's another thing about the original blob is and, and i think this is common with a lot of movies from that era but just like there were some passages where it's like okay this is give me some more blob this yeah. is feeling kind of slow here yeah whereas that that you never feel like that in the 88 version it right. just happens it's it's a fast movie so much stuff happens every every minute is incredibly juicy yes and uh speaking of juicy which one of these did you find compelling because it stayed true to the original like, which one do you think did enough of a good job with the original plot? Because I think both original plots were good. And when you say we're yeah. remaking Get Carter or we're remaking The Blob, I'm like, uh, what are you going to change Is would be my question. Not what are you going to keep the same because it's so obvious what you have to keep the same. But, like, what are you going to change? And the things that I needed to keep the same in Get Carter was that he's not you're you're not supposed to want to know who this guy is but you're supposed to root for him he's supposed to do some dastardly deeds and then die that's what I expected this guy's on a righteous crusade but I don't want to meet this guy no you don't want to you don't want to meet Carter no and then in the blob, it's something from space uh, starts like sort of under the radar. Um, some te- space and a blob. Yeah, teenagers are yeah. are not believed, and then um, the blob uh, wipes out some people, and then they freeze it. That's what I wanted, and um, I thought the blob did a great job of keeping the remake did a great job of keeping those things. And then uh, I think Get Carter dropped the ball. Um, so are we going to treat it as a separate question, um, how the movies subvert the original text? Yeah, or... that's the next one. So which one do you okay. think did a better so, job of keeping... Of keeping the same... Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, whatever we're looking for. Uh, so you would give it to Get Carter. Um, I think The Blob does a fine job. But I'll get more into that on the subversion. I think they Perfect. subvert so many plot points. That it's that... no longer the original. Yeah, I mean, the... 
I feel like at a certain point in the story, they the the remake really separates yes. plot wise from the original, and you know, like there's still like a theater scene. Yeah, of course. And like you know, an outdoor, you know, in in the town square type of scene, but like the individual, the actual story of the characters was different enough. Whereas I feel like in Get Carter, it was like, okay, like his brother died. Um, he has to figure it out. He's involved in the criminal underworld. Yeah, he knows guys on all sides. He's got to figure it out. And then it was, you know, the, the, the reason his brother died was pretty much the same. Yeah. It was, you know, just a, a, a different crime boss. Yeah, they, they decided to keep yeah. that, like, the, that With, darkness yeah, in the there. Yeah, Rourke, uh, Goon, you know, more of the... Um, the, uh, the the bruiser type of character, and then the Alan Cummings is the actual pornographer guy, and it's like yeah okay like they hit those main characters, and the story was pretty much the same yeah, um, you know generally and like nobody wants him back home. I think that was in both of yeah. them, which was yeah, nice yeah. right. Um, yeah, he's he he has also crossed his own employer. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, that that that's a good another way that they're similar so yeah I, i'm gonna give this one to get carter all right and now um to the the more interesting sort of like so what are you going to change like okay uh in oceans eight it's um there's only eight women and they're like all intelligent and instead of like one being like a little one who can fit inside of a box you know or or one of them's not bernie mac you know, so like, like okay, that's interesting. It's like, what are you not going to change? You're like, well, they have to like work as a team and then like pull off a heist against somebody they don't like. You're like, okay, no, obviously, but what are you going to do that's different? Like, why are you remaking it? And like, how is it going to fit the era? And so in Get Carter, it fits the era because Sylvester Stallone is like the reason you're seeing the movie. Um, and so when you go to see a movie with him, you want to root for him, so they have to sort of make Carter so much softer, which is weird because... Right. Um, so, this is... I'm not trying to be cute, but do you... Did you, like, get that, like... So, Michael Caine was so sexual, and, like, he's literally mm -hmm. naked, like, more than once. Yeah. Um... And then, like, Sylvester Stallone, was he, he was either, like, asexual or, like, there was, a, like, a lot of homoeroticism at times. Like, the one of the most famous lines from, sure. from the original is, he's like, I almost forgot what your eyes looked like. Like, that's such a creepy thing. He says, do you know I almost forgot what your eyes looked like? That's such a creepy thing to say after you pull someone's glasses off of their face and then he insults him he's so cool he's like looks like two piss holes in the snow like that's so like you said english it's like they understand they don't need to say anything but what he's going to say is so hurtful <laughs> it's yeah. like and then in in the remake he says come on let me see your eyes that's what i thought cat piss in the snow and like, meanwhile, Mickey Rourke says, whatever turns you on, you're just yeah. like, what is going on? And then there's the strong guy who's like the bartender, and he's like, oh, he's my decoration. And uh, 
Sylvester Stallone says, oh, he's cute. And it's just like, and then again, Mickey Rourke sideburns. And it's just like, I don't know if this is just like 2000s metrosexual sort of like, that's what these, you know, these males are. Or it's just like, the woman he's cheating with doesn't want to be with him anymore. Where Michael Caine could, could arouse her over the phone. Like, that's how sexually powerful this man is supposed to be. And it's just, like, he's literally so impotent in this movie, it's bizarre. I think it's almost a, uh, it's indicative of a general trend of increasing sexlessness in movies. Well, also, like, can you think of, so, Rocky and Talia Shire, Adrian, in the original movie, like, have an intimate moment, and then it cuts away, and then... Rambo kisses that Jap- uh, the Vietnamese woman right before she dies in Rambo 2. Yeah. Are there mm-hmm. any movies where like Rocky gets his Mac on? Or is he supposed to be sort of like a Jackie Chan character who's like, yeah, I've, I'm fighting for the girl, but like it's almost a platonic relationship on screen. Like, I can't... I, I'm not getting it. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a really good question. And... I know that uh, no I mean, one almost... no one thought about this more than me. Like the the, <laughs> the directors don't. They're just like it's rated R. There's no way we're gonna have you phone sexing a woman. <laughs> we're not gonna do it, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. We don't want to hear you do that. Oh my no! No one wants to hear that in your voice. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of I guess just who Sylvester Stallone is. I mean, he's a he's a sexless action star. I mean. Even um, though he's, like, constantly shirtless and oiled up. Isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger's pretty sexless? Um, I mean, like, in real life, he wasn't, and that was the... Definitely not. And then, like, I, uh, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head... Like, he, he's literally oh, a machine. What about... His most famous role. What about Conan? He's pretty... Yeah, okay, Conan is sexy. And then I haven't, sexy. I haven't seen True Lies, but I know it That's has cool. Jamie Lee Curtis in it. She is sexy in it, but like, like he doesn't have sex in the movie. Huh. I don't think he has sex in like almost any of his big movies. And then, at least not after a point. At least not after a very early in his career. And then going back to like James Bond, who's like famously known as a playboy. I guess <laughs> is that just like the difference between you know like in- English action stars and American action stars? Maybe we're getting into it. Who knows? There might be some of that. But I mean, I also think um, today is a largely yeah. sexless. Uh, Hollywood is largely sexless. You look at all the big stars. Like, has Chris Evans been in a sex? You know, has he had sex in a movie? I don't. know, Maybe he has, but like, not in like an action movie. He definitely did it in Snowpiercer. Junior. Um. No. Probably Do not. You know? Yeah. Um, like, there's no sex in Marvel. Yeah. Um. There's Chris... no sex in. I don't think the. DC movies and like these are our biggest movies nowadays. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I, I get like I think there's just you know since the 70s and 80s just been kind of a general decline in uh, movie sex. And then like I guess the you might get some boobs in horror movies, but that seems like about it. And then it's immediately immediately followed up with like violence for seeing mm-hmm. those. So mm-hmm. yeah. sort of like and you're supposed to that. make that association in your mind. Pretty messed up, guys. Pretty messed up. Um, uh, paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Your mom's here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
uh, I th- so there's definitely some subversions here. Uh, like, so let's talk about the ending of both movies. Um, the <laughs> both blobs are set up to like hint at a sequel, and um, mm-hmm. the 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 not too fun as long as the Arctic stays cold. <laughs> oh my god, I laughed out loud. That's that line. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, guess we're <laughs> But also, like, when they drop it into the Arctic, it turn like, the end turns into a question mark. Yeah. And, uh, but it, there's a much more, like, uh, like, also dark, uh, hinting ending where, like, the, the priest who was, he's, you know, he's just your, your happy, uh, Irish stereotype drunk priest like captures some of the frozen blob and then gets mm-hmm. like maimed by it and then he goes off like to revivalist tent meetings and like mm-hmm. tells people that he's going to release the blob at some point you're like okay that's all right <laughs> that's one yeah. way to end a movie and then yeah. well, um it's in i think into the larger uh subversion of the original uh, with the Blob remake. Um, <clears throat> and I'm definitely going with the thesis that the original Blob was definitely about, like, Soviet communism. Sure. Uh, you know, the... How do we get people... Slowly expanding into America, you know, small-town Americana. How do we get people to be afraid of something they can't see or don't believe in? That's... Mm-hmm. I, I mess up the line, but, like, that's, you know... Again, so outrageously uh, auspicious that it makes me very it, uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, like it's so apt. Um, but in the second, the blob, it comes from outer space, but it's not an alien. Right. The blob was made by the U.S. government. Right. And the enemy that... in, in this movie is the U.S. government developing the blob as a biological weapon for warfare against the Soviet Union. So it's like, we have become the monsters because of you know, that that uh, desire to be the victors of this you know, fight that we manufactured, but then the blob ends up in the hands of like, the religious zealots, which right, could yeah, be so could also like, be another that blob. Is, also, that is another enemy. Is is this guy? This uh, it's basically American evangelicalism. Yeah. Um. That yeah. This guy uh, takes the piece of blob, which, as we all know, all now know, this tiny piece of blob can turn into an, you know, world-absorbing right. blob. Right. Um. And he goes on the tent revival circuit and says, you know, uh. You know, one day I'll get a vision from God and he'll tell me when to you know, let this piece of blob go and it's like okay so this guy's just gonna hallucinate a vision from God and then he's gonna create the apocalypse cool yeah, sounds about right <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna need to freeze it it's not a big deal guys <laughs> just hit it with a bunch of fire extinguishers it worked the first time uh, I think a true subversion in the Get Carter film is that he doesn't kill that many people he lives and lives okay so i'm gonna read the how the final scene is described remember that the woman he is cheating with 
has told him to stay out of Vegas, which mm-hmm. is where he's originally from, uh, because he has pissed off not only her, but he has pissed off his boss, with whom he is cuckled, or with who, who he is cuckled. Yes. Uh, not to mention, like, hasn't been doing his job, even though they told him to come back and do his job. So it says, having settled the score for his brother, a now shaven Jack meets Doreen. Yeah. <laughs> his. That's right. So his, like, traumatized, like, roofied and raped niece, he meets her one last time at Richie's grave, his brother, her father's grave. And explains that he has to go away for a while. After reminding her that she is special, they say their goodbyes. <laughs> Jack gets into his car and opens up a map that leads to Las Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> so are they going to do a Get Carter 2, where it's called Got Carter? <laughs> Get more Carter. Get Carter Returns. Get, <laughs> Get carter Uh yeah okay they'll do a sequel and he'll kill like one more guy come on or think about it yeah he'll shave more alright He just, if he has a mohawk like if he tries to go taxi driver but he just does the mohawk and doesn't shoot anybody I'd watch that that'd be pretty he good he would shave a, a monk's tonsure oh or he grows a padawan rat tail that'd be <laughs> You're like, wait, this isn't the Star Wars universe? That makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, all coming together. So, I mean, they definitely subvert, like, the Carter thing, where it's like, if you revenge... the character of Carter. Well, because, like, they're like, revenge is justified if it's only against certain people. And then you'll get to live. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's... That's weird. I guess. Um... Yeah, I mean, they subvert the entire character from a, you know, a ruthless, ice-cold killer to, like, kind of a loser? Oh, yeah, he's a huge what loser. Yeah, huge he's a loser. loser. He loses at everything, except he doesn't get killed at the end, which would be the only, like, thing that would have made sense. Like, I was upset that he, dro- he drove away at the end. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, weak. So, which one did you... Who are you awarding this one to? Best use of subversion? Yeah. Blob, for sure. Same. Yeah. Okay. And now for timeliness slash... Uh, we, th- it was appropriate that we got a remake. Yeah, well, I mean, they were both just about 30 years apart, right? Yeah, yes. Um, and... Well, shit, actually going back a bit, I mean, to talk about subversion, this Kid Carter is American. Yeah. But his original is British. So, I feel like you could have done something interesting um, by adapting it to a more I don't know, American style organized crime? Or sure. Like American depictions of violence? Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I'll just say it didn't really work out for Kid Carter. Um. But uh, where were we? Timeliness. Which one do you think did a better job of landing the the timing of being a remake? So they were both almost exactly thirty years apart. Right. So like, objectively, you could give them the same. But I'm gonna give it to the Blob 
because I feel like um, the the fifties in general had a revival in the eighties. Right. Fifties um, culture, fifties you know fashion, fifties music. Right. Um, so in that regard, like it, it the eighties remake of a fifties movie just fits into the greater cultural you know milieu than. A yeah. 2000 movie adapting a 1970 movie. Sure. Even though there was like a 60s, 70s revival at that time, I don't think they really got the same tone yes. as an 80s movie doing a 50s remake. Right. No, 100%. And so I'm devil's advocating here. I'm going with Get Carter mm-hmm. because they're cashing in on like Sylvester Stallone as being an actor an action actor, a tough guy. Uh, it's glitzy, it's glamoury. The, they get Alan Cummings off of uh, GoldenEye. They have Mickey Rourke, who's yeah. well-known at the time for being kind of a bad boy. And Oh, yeah, for sure. And the, you got Michael Caine. Right! The pre- Still peak Michael Caine. And he's playing a character that isn't the same character, and you're like, oh, this is going to be right. interesting. Yeah, different character. Uh, opposite character. Basically. And the they've got so much uh, going for them, you know? And, like, the story fits well within this because, like, you know, like, digital media makes, uh, you know, amateur pornographies so easy to produce. Like, unless people can get what they want, if they have enough money, technology's a a problem, like... They did update the porno storyline appropriately. Yeah. And so I think so much was going in their favor that they're like, okay, it's been 30 years. We're going to take, like, the Italian job. I don't know. That wasn't 2000s. It was uh, 2000s. It was... I don't think it was 2000. Yeah, no, I think it was like oh, two or three. But just like saw that in high school. This, this is sort of when noir was coming back a little bit. And so that's true. It, yeah, this is this, after, it not, made sense. Like LA Confidential, yeah, stuff like that. It made sense to do this, and the update would have made sense if they hadn't like been bogged down by. I'm assuming Sylvester Stallone's writer, where it's just I like, have like a weird sense of morality. Yeah, and like they, but they like, miss the original is an amoral film. Yeah, which is like just telling you that violence is bad. Like, <laughs> right, yeah, right. And I think. The only reason, so the blob, unfortunately, even though you did acknowledge, like, it's held within high regard of, like, Cronenberg and uh, John Carpenter, like, when people talk about it, they talk about these, but, like, it just didn't land as hard because these, like, it was competing against giants, like, it's not fair. That's true. That being said, if it had coming out, it coming out, if it had come out with like rudimentary CGI, like do you remember the Abyss and how that was like, uh, yeah. they had that weird like water thing, that was impressive because it was like weird. It wasn't impressive because it was well done, and I wouldn't want to see Flubber because effectively that's what it would be, and like it, it was good. I liked it. But, like, it, I don't know when it, a good time would have been for it to come out, because, like, if it wasn't practical effects, it would have been garbage, and I would have hated it. Like, yeah, 
Because you can't yeah, do I the same like... stuff with CGI. You can't have a person inside of it melting. No, I, you just, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to model that kind of stuff, like fluids and stuff like that. Um, um, I, I, I would say it came out at pretty much the right time in that regard, you know, along with, uh, obviously those other two horror movies we had said, but like Hellraiser was another, Oh yeah. You know, I would say special effects horror classic. Sure. Yeah. Um, because if it came out too much before, the, I mean, you know, maybe it could have worked in like the '70s or something. There were a lot of good practical effects then, but like, once you're getting into like the 2000s, the blob would be a CG monster, right? And that, unless it's like, unless Peter Jackson's behind it, you know, it's not going to be that good because they're just using all CGI buildings instead of models, and right. it's going to be garbage. Yeah, it would either have to be like a Peter Jackson type production or like. I don't like if A twenty four picked up, yeah. you know the uh, the remake, but then I feel like it would be less. Maybe they'd do a really good blob, yeah. But I feel like the story wouldn't be quite as just like pulpy, you know, pulp splatter fest, right? Uh, you know, it would be more like a you know family thriller or something. Um, I mean, I, I you know I like A twenty four's movies, but sure, yeah, they don't really do. I don't think they get the blob right. Just because, and I think that's one of the things that speaks to how good they did was they decided to understand how the blob is supposed to be scary from the 50s one by just upping the body count. Like, Mm -hmm. just letting you see a little bit more than the 50s was willing to let you watch. (laughs) Yeah, up the body body count, up the violence, up the gore. Yeah everything big bigger better shoot yeah. more guns at it please i think we've got a winner uh get carter the original is worth your time it is not a remake that is worth it uh 100 percent worth your time i think watch both blobs that's what i'm coming oh, yeah. down on oh yeah for sure um yeah original blob great uh classic hollywood you know monster horror film yeah blob I... 88 amazing amazing movie like i also watched both of them in a night because both of them were just like one was 92 minutes one was 123 like yeah knock them out yeah was was the the blonde that long yeah i guess it was about two hours no it was it was a wait an hour and oh no sorry the original blob was one hour 23 minutes okay yeah and then the remake was 93 minutes or something like that so they were both very considerably short for something that should be this short like they did a good job Mm -hmm. um we'll be back in just a minute with a recommendation uh for a movie remake and a snack attack segment all right we're back uh so bob i think you were the my inaugural uh snack attack um compatriot here so uh, this is sort of this segment's an homage to um, uh, the Doughboys podcast where they have their snack or whack on uh, drank or stank segment, and then um, the uh, McElroy brothers uh, munch squad segment. So we're going to eat two things that are both um, 
holiday season, winter season themed, but uh, we've got some gingerbread Oreos with, do they have, is it peppermint frost, like cream? I got red dots in mine. Do you have red dots in yours? I do have red dots. Okay. Uh, but let's see. Oh no, it is um, gingerbread flavored cookie uh, and cream with crunchy sugar crystals. Oh, okay. And then um, crunchy sugar crystals. And then we have Ritz crackers that are in the shape of ostensibly snowflakes, but when you see them, it's just sort of like bad bad octagons. I'd call it an octagon. Sort of like a. Shouldn't it be a hexagon? Two. Anyway. Snowflake has six sides, right? Not mine. Mine's special. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna take a bite. Uh, we're gonna chew a bunch. I'm gonna edit this part out, and then we'll be back in just a second to tell you which one of these holiday season treats we think is better. Let's do it. Are these just plain ribs? They're supposed to be holiday. I mean, those crystals are crunchy. I think they're just octagon. <laughs> Ritz, what's your favorite season? MMA season. <laughs> yeah, that's a plain Ritz. Uh, it's almost too sweet. Yeah, it's super sweet. It's really good. Gelato Oreo. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Bob, where are you coming down on these? Which one do you think is the better seasonal treat? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the uh, gingerbread Oreo. So the um, we, we've de- we've eating... decided the Ritz cracker is just a Ritz cracker in the in a bad <laughs> shape. Holiday uh, Ritz, as much as I'm just getting an octagon Ritz. But uh, I mean, the package has uh, some some pine trees and snowflakes. It's a nice package. That's what she said. And <laughs> you know what? Ritz are really good. Yeah, you're right. So they're pretty nice. But... Yeah. Man, the Oreo, the gingerbread flavor is really nice. Um, it's not like traditional gingerbread where it's like a little spicy. Yes, I thought it was going to be overpo- overpowering. It's definitely, uh, I'll call it Americanized. Yes. Um, uh, definitely uh, with more mass appeal. Um, still got the same uh, Oreo cookie um, texture, you know, the same crunch, similar crunch. Really good gingerbread flavor. The cream is almost too sweet. The crunchy sugar crystals, I think, were unnecessary. Um, but it's a pretty damn good cookie. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. Uh, I will also eat more of these cookies. Like the thing is, I'm gonna have Ritz around the holiday season. Like right. But like these Oreos are seasonal, and if I just bought regular Ritz, no one would mind. But if I'm like, hey, I have seasonal Oreos, people are like, oh. My, my, I have to try that. My ears just perked up, you know? So Yeah, I mean, I may end up buying these Ritz in the future, because like you said, sometimes you just need Ritz around the holidays. Yeah. yeah I'm, Oreos, I'm going with Oreos. I am going to seek out a package of these every year. They're going on my, uh, get a package of those and a quart of eggnog. There you go. A yearly quart. You'll have to take a nap afterwards, but it'll be <laughs> worth it. <laughs> Definitely worth it. All right, uh, on to recommendations. Bob, have you thought about what movie reboot or movie remake you would like to recommend? Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with the 2012 movie Dread. Oh, 
so good. Oh my remake gosh. Of, Carl I, Urban. I, I guess I would call it a remake. Um, maybe, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the same idea of the Judge Dread. Mm-hmm. The story's significantly different. Um, but I, I would put it in the remake category. Uh, just a really um, just balls to the wall action movie. Yes. You... Incredible amount of guns. Stylized violence. violence. Yeah. Stylized violence, drugs, uh, you know, the hero killing a lot of dudes. Yeah, you know, not much to say about the plot, but it's a really fun movie. I think there's a psychic in it. <laughs> I think his partner is a psychic. Oh, you know what? I think you're right. Yeah. She's supposed to be. I mean, He's like. She's like a super soldier and she has, like, psi powers. Yeah. Um, also, okay. one of the uh, a movie that has uh, Cersei Lannister as a bad guy in it. Um, mm. A couple years before, uh, maybe like three or four years before uh, Game of Thrones, so she's really perfected that. Uh, ter- that was probably right around when Game of Thrones started. Okay, there you go. Yeah, because what if that that ended what last year and that was eight seasons? That tracks. So it's like twenty. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I really like yeah, that movie. Yeah, coming hot off of 300. Oh, yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. She's um, 300 guy. I never saw the original Judge Dredd with Sly Stone, but... That's pretty good. I saw Dredd, like, apropos of nothing. I just heard it was mm-hmm. good, and I'm like, okay, whatever action movie. Haven't seen a lot of good action movies recently, and I was just, like, floored. I'm like, this is... It, the music sounded like it was from the future, which is like, because the whole premise is like it's Mega City One. It's just like this huge, overcrowded mm-hmm. place, and like, right. it's People it's perfect. These, like archaeology type buildings, and like, yeah, there's they walk out on the first floor, and there's crime, and they got to make it to the 80th floor or whatever. And yeah, they it, kill a bunch of dudes on the way. It's like the raid, but if everyone yeah. had guns and yeah. and somebody was psychic. <laughs> so it was great. Yeah, um, pretty good. Recommended. Go see it. My yeah. recommendation is uh, True Grit, the 2020, 2010 Coen yeah. Brothers film. Again, have not seen the original, but the first, no. uh, the movie is just so well done, and um, it's got uh, Jeff Bridges, so it's like got some comedy, and it's got. Uh, Josh Brolin as the villain, so it's like very compelling for you to, you know. And a but, young Staley, uh, Haley Stanfield. Yes, she's, she's the like twelve or something. 14. And she, yeah, she's the one who uh, another revenge story um, that's just very compelling, and uh, it it did not dis- so similar to Dread, it has not changed the time period that the story takes place in even though years have passed since the original film was made so it's just sort of like made a little bit better so like in this one like the costumes are better the the mm. cinematography is better this you know the dialect and the dialogue are better sort of thing so yeah underrated cone film yeah it's one of those that you forget about because it's not only a remake but it's a western and they're like you know, the Coen Brothers Western right. is No Country for Old Men. You're like, yeah, but no, they did, like, a mm-hmm. cowboy movie with Jeff Bridges. You're like, no, you're thinking of a different movie. <laughs> like, oh, good argument. Well, and those are, you know, those are... The Coen Brothers are uh, 
they have a few movies that I think get lost in the shuffle. For sure. Because they have so many Stone Cold classics. Yeah. Like, you know, the Lady Killers movie is better than anyone else's movie. <laughs> <laughs> but they get some stinkers in there, you know. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Yeah. But yeah, like True Grit's really good. Like Barton Fink is great. Yeah, um, that's a you know, weird movie. You never hear that brought up in like best Coen Brothers conversations. Yeah, excellent. Well, uh, t- thanks for being along uh, with me today, Bob. We as we decided which movie remake was better. Um, we got five movies for you to watch. Just skip Get Carter unless you have to watch it for like a Sylvester Stallone uh, filmography you're doing your yeah, work on. Sure. If you're a uh, uh, John C. McGinley completionist. Uh, <laughs> Which we know you're out there, John. <laughs> you McKinley heads. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I would say five strong recommendations. Yeah, for sure. Um, this has been Comparing Apples to Oranges. Uh, we'll see you next month. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. It was episode 59. There's a little Roy Budd. That's like one of the one songs from Get Carter. And it was actually in both the first one and the remake. So that's kind of cool. A little jazzy number for you. Got that blogger side up. Looking pretty good. TheCatoPodcast.blogspot.com Check out the show notes. A couple of fun things in there. Remember to send any comments or ideas for future episodes of the podcast. Send it at Twitter, that's at the Cato Podcast, all one word, C-A-T-O for Cato. Or email us at catopodcast@gmail.com. The intro, outro, and music bed music was the song Thumbs Up by the great artist Leisure B. And if you liked what he was putting down, go ahead and check him out. He's at thehumanworkshop.com. Alright, stay warm out there. Bye. <laughs>